What's up, all? That was a bad intro, right yeah, there. Sound like a fucking, uh, you know, you sound like Doug Peterson. He's like does, uh, <laughs> the car reviews. Oh, these sound just like his intro. That was oh, crazy. That was terrible. Welcome to Throw Blacks. <laughs> J Five in the building. Josh Bees. Hey man, we here. We're finally here. We're here. Did I say Throw Blacks or did I say Blackburn? Hold on, you said Throw Blacks. Okay, but we didn't introduce Mark. Mark's okay. here. Uh, MC also <laughs> as well. Uh, I feel like we're underdressed for the occasion. I I tried to order like one of those spike bracelets. Oh no. Nah. Tried to get my hair up. Couldn't do that either. So uh, we're we're just here as we are. I threw on my black tee. It's a little emo. It, it is look, exclusive to you right you there, see? by the way. Coming soon. Josh has been dropping hints yeah. on the video versions of yeah. our shows. In if my you, life. If you guys haven't seen the black print on video, last week's episode, any of that stuff, Josh is dropping hints as to what's coming. And I, I've been noticing it. I haven't said nothing. Yeah. But I notice it. Say something next time. Something okay. coming soon. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it next time. He, he's got some. you know, he's up to something. Yeah. I see the Instagram and the hints and the and the and the drops. There's been at least like two, three exclusive drops already. Follow yeah. the thread, follow the Instagram, yeah. follow the um the Facebook. I just found out I have any shit funny Facebook. I didn't know. When did you do that? My team told me. Oh wow. <laughs> His team. Mm. His te- oh man, the drop was mute. His team. <laughs> you know, we all got teams. There it is. You guys are my team. You know what I mean? I think with the three of us, we are the uh we're the black green day. Oh yeah. Yeah, we could be that. We could be, be the Black Green Day. Let's Billy Joe. Okay. Let's Billy Joe Armstrong. I don't know. I want to be Trey Cool because he had a cool name. Uh, I could be Billy Joe. Yeah, you could be Billy Joe because yeah, yeah. you're, you're the you're the outspoken one, and we'll get wearing outline, eyeliner. And yeah. shit. <laughs> eyeliner, Josh would kill me. And of course, thank you guys for being so patient for this episode. I think I think last month got like super crazy. Um, we we had to do a lot of different stuff, and then we just we, we I think we changed course. So this is what happened with with this episode of of, of Throw Blacks. And let me get the white balancing off the table. Yes, let's let's uh, go ahead and explain. What so happened. we were we initially announced De La Soul, and mm-hmm. I said stakes is high, and then somehow we said De La Soul. Uh, uh, what was the the first album? Three three uh, three feet high, three feet high, high rising. rising. So one day we chilling, and I'm thinking it's still stakes is high. I'm still thinking that. Okay. And Josh texts the, our group chat and says, this fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. And honestly, I have a lot of respect for De La Soul. I love what they brought to the game. I'm actually a really big fan of like their last album, the cover where their mouths were like tied in knots. You want to remember that? Was that De La Soul? That might not have been De La Soul. I don't think it had. I was, I was about to say Grind Day. That's like the, that's the one that people say. Like, I remember Grind Day was actually really good too. Grind Day's fire. Yeah, that had mm-hmm. my shit on there with... Um, MF Doom. And- yeah, but that the song with... Uh, Damn, yummy, 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 yeah. yeah, yummy Bing. I think yeah, it's a sample that yummy, yummy Bingham. Sel- yeah. Sample the LTD uh, love ballad. Mm-hmm. Sample that song from from a long time ago. So when when I saw you text, this fucking sucks. I said, "Yep, we're not doing this. <laughs> we're not doing this episode on this album. It's it's not gonna happen. We'll get to it sooner than later. It's on streaming now. Give us some time to live with us." I feel like we should just we should just leave it because because here's my thing. Number one, I didn't want to I didn't want to talk about an album that that we didn't like. You yeah, know what I mean, and I, and 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 I I don't think I me saying this sucks doesn't mean I don't like it. <laughs> I, I just think, don't think we had conversation. Yeah, about, about conversation, and a lot yeah. of context. I think that's one that maybe we bring on someone who who lives with that album. Right, it came out when they were like you know coming up. Um, I got a few people in mind that I think would make sense for that. So okay. we'll, we'll get to it. Um, you know, I, like I said before, tremendous respect for De La Soul and mm-hmm. what they brought to hip hop. And I, it wouldn't 
I my hip hop character yeah. wouldn't be here without De La Soul. Right. So definitely want to honor them and, and give them their uh, proper flowers. Of course. And, and honestly, <clears throat> we should honestly do De La Soul is dead. I feel like that's the album that mm-hmm. has the most conversational value and stuff like that. I feel like Stakes is High is too whiny. Three mm-hmm. Foot High and Rising is way too, I don't want to say experimental, but it's rough. It's a rough album. <laughs> like, that is I, new. And, and, I, and I think that like at the time, I think people felt, felt that way too. I think a lot of people call it classic. I actually think De La Soul is Dead is better. And that's one of my favorite albums of all time. So like I, I actually have a lot of, I mean, I got into that album when I was in high school, not when it came out. You know what I mean? So it was... It was definitely something that was different in, in my in my childhood. So we we changed gears and we went over to we said, "Yo, let's just go ahead and do the alternative. Let's 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 do our alternative shit and let's get into a um a, a rock album." And Josh had the 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 sage wisdom to say, "Let's just go ahead and do um Green Day." Yeah, Green Day, American Idiot. American this, Idiot. This was a pivotal album in my life. Believe it or not. Wow. I remember the day I bought it. <laughs> and, and I think this pivotal for for a lot of things. And and I want to just like go ahead and like get right into it. Um, I think that is interesting in the, in the first few episodes of throw blacks, right. That we're, we're in this time period and I don't want people to think that like we're, we're, we're not doing it intentionally, but I think that we gravitate towards the 2001, 2000 through two, 2003, 2004 period, because that was a shift in hip hop yeah, and music general in, music. in general. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it, mm-hmm. the, 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 the music got angrier uh, the style changed. We were we were kind of living in a in a in a bubble, so to speak. Yeah, I wouldn't even say I got angry. I think the music just got more intentional. Yeah, I think before that period, you had a lot of music that was you know poppy and flashy, yeah. and you had like kind of like the the bling bling era, mm-hmm. and it needed something new to come in there and just give it some real intention. I think that something new to me and just I think was really just the bush in the war yeah i think that really changed everyone's mind state of just like how they're gonna live absolutely and um 9-11 of course yeah. there's just so many moments in time that just affected us subconsciously mm-hmm. and i think it showed in the music that came out and, and you know we talked about uh diplomats last episode and we, we talked about their relation to 9-11 and what they did in new york and now we kind of see the other side of the coin with green day and american idiot and just to go back and it just the landscape of of post nine eleven America, mm-hmm. like artists in general became more political and intentional. To mm-hmm. your point, I wanted to, I want to speak on Eminem because this is also the same year that Encore came out yep. with uh, Mosh, and that was the song that I remember being hyped as like this is the song that George Bush doesn't want you to hear. And uh. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, and then you finally hear and it's like, what? The beat was so fucking terrible. Let me tell you. Yeah, I didn't like Encore really. That that, that album had to like collapse on it though. I think no, that was Eminem. Nah, show. that was oh, Eminem. Show. Yeah, okay, it was the yeah. one right before Encore. Was the one that had puke and just lose it on it. And uh. it, it's it's also known as the album that was so bad that in online circles at the time. And Mark, you probably remember this. A lot of people didn't believe it was the real album. People <laughs> thought a fake it was a fake album and the real one was coming out next week. And people waited and That's waited. A funny one. They waited and waited and it never came out. And and relapse was kind of what could you call relapse, MC? Like it it, it was definitely not good, but I I, I, I think it's intentional in, in different ways for Eminem and just showing where he was mentally at the time. It took so long to get relapse because relapse ended up coming out like five years after Encore and Relapse took so much time to. Try well, actually, and I get... meant Encore. I meant Encore. My bad. I said Relapse. Oh, you I meant Encore. Oh, you meant yeah. Encore. Okay, relapse okay, was okay. actually good. My bad. Encore. I meant Encore. Relapse was actually good. Encore was. You like was Relapse? Terrible. 
I liked Relapse. Oh, it's funny. I stopped wow. listening to Eminem after uh, Eminem show. I'm looking right now. I'm like, after that, I'm like, what are I, you doing? It took, it took so long to wait for Relapse because you got like that Shady Records project in between that. And then he told everybody like, yeah, my rehab is failing. And then by 09, we got we got relapse but encore in general encore has some really good shining moments if you can what? ignore the pp and the poo poo jokes what was, encore the, what was has, the shining moment him encore talking about some pretty that that was the album where eminem admitted he said nigga and he said what and he talked about why he said because remember benzino oh yeah he had tape. the song yeah, yeah, yeah. i and remember he, that and he was like oh i was, I was with a black girl i want to call it bitch or yeah. some shit like that. <laughs> that's that's the that's the shining moment that is not that is not the shining moment. Uh, I was going more towards the line of like toy shoulder, like toy soldiers. That, was that the one song I liked is more of a shining moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, Evil D's is pretty good. I thought I thought Evil D's is cool. Yeah, it's got some it's got some cool stuff. If you want to look at the imagery of Encore, you know him bowing with the gun behind his head. This being his alleged suicide album was something that you know, looking back at it now, twenty years later, is something that's crazy. But Mosh, I wasn't too crazy on Mosh. What's crazy is we as Americans actually ended up making like the bonus version of Encore, but that was already out for like a year and a half when uh, Straight from the Lab. That's like one of like the biggest bootlegs, I would say, in rap, probably in music. Came out like a year and a half prior, where again, Eminem is ending up talking about a lot of things that are going on in America, things that are going on with George Bush, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And he brings the perspective of that on we as Americans as well. So yeah, like we said, Eminem is going into a much different place uh, outside of, you know, the pee-pee and the poo-poo that we got on. And the, and, the, and the rape jokes and I want to kill myself yeah. jokes. Yeah, calling, yes. calling that one of the biggest uh, bootlegs in, in music yeah. history is crazy. It is. <laughs> is it not? It is. Is it? Yes. It, it's it's either, it's between Get Richard or I Tryin' or, or, um, or, or Encore. Because Encore no, no. Had- or, or no, straight uh, straight from the lab. That had Bully on it. That had We as Americans. That had uh, Do Re Mi on it. They had the part oh, where they yeah, uh, responded yeah, yeah. to Ja Rule. I think it was all of Murder Inc. And they had Haley yeah, on the yeah. intro. And she was talking about um, she was talking about Ja Rule's kids and MLM laugh at the end. That was Do Re Mi. And right? I think I that think was so. a, there was a lot of conversation about Haley saying that shit too, where she was just like, You're calling black <laughs> yeah, kids "Think about it." Like Eminem was he was he could he was doing a lot of shit back then. He can't do today. Yeah, right. social <laughs> media would have killed him. He was doing a lot of shit back then. He couldn't do. That's why he probably said he lays low. But Eminem wasn't the only person that was getting more political, more intentional, more angry. I think something funny that happened between you know uh, 2001 and, and 2004 was like the Dixie Chicks was was banging on niggas. Oh yeah, I remember that. And they was like, "Yo, we not f-. yo." White people was fucking mad. Yeah, they were hating on Bush. Yeah. What happened? To, what happened to this fire? Huh? It's still around. They said we're not fucking with the war, as I think a lot of people were saying. But the thing, the thing that fucked up the Dixie Chicks is, though, you can't go on country when you're doing it with country music, and they yeah. say, "Oh, they're going against the American flag." <laughs> Burn all the CDs, run them over with a steamroller. You, you can't do that in country. Alternative music, rock music, rap music—that has always been so anti-establishment that it was kind of like a little bit more accepted that it wasn't country music. Yeah, and we were. Two years, three years into the war at this point, I think the major point of contention in 2004 was the presidential election. Mm-hmm. And I, until my, t- to my history to this point, I have never seen maybe the biggest mobilization in trying to get young people to vote. I couldn't vote at this point, of course. Yeah. But but like you had so many people talking about how important this election was. Mm-hmm. Don't let Florida, don't let the ballot shit happen again. 
um, you know, who was it this time? It was uh, Romney. No, it wasn't Romney. It was fucking um, John Kerry. John Kerry. John Kerry. And I was like, this nigga look like a Resident Evil zombie, nigga. Like, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't. I, even when I was younger, I was like, this nigga running the country? I haven't seen this nigga since. Yeah. But it was very intentional to a point where we've seen things like musicians starting to kind of care about this type of shit. Yep. And we, this is where we got voter die. Yep. Marathon Diddy. Marathon Diddy. Uh, uh, Mohawk, Mohawk Diddy. Diddy. Yeah. Uh, he said he wanted to make voting cool and sexy. <laughs> so he... <laughs> I just remember he used to sell those shirts at Macy's. Like, <laughs> that was like a whole... He really made some money off that. It was a campaign. Like, and, and think about how fucked up that is, is that like thousands of people are dying every single day on both ends. Mm-hmm. And you have somebody like hawking voter die t-shirts to us. Like capitalism got different yeah, <laughs> by that point. Capitalism rules the world. Um. And they, they found a good cause to rally around. I think no matter what, uh, voting in, in that time was very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might have backfired on them, though. Vote or die. Just because oh, yeah. you, you had everyone, they were like, vote or die. All right, we're about to vote for Bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was, in, in a lot of ways, like, when I look back at it, at that point, Americans were still very angry and scared. And mm-hmm. to have Kerry there saying, I'm going to pull him out. You can't say that yet. Yeah. Like, you, like, it's too early, and there were too many people that had passed away at that point. But also, the landscape was, like, much different from, like, the 70s and Vietnam when people wanted, you know, there there was, like, that movement of people yeah, who nah, wanted to pull I mean, out. Because to, to your earlier point about, you know, like, everyone being so against the war, there's a lot of people on the other side that was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go get them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I saw both sides of the coin, and I kind of understood why and in retrospect i understand why a bush wins you see it nowadays when you have you know trump and yeah. what's going on there so having more understanding of the situation you see just like yo um people are really protective of the flag yeah in, in, in america and we felt like we were under attack from 9-11 on mm-hmm. and you know we were just ready for it you had to take your shoes off at the air. This is where it started. Yeah, this is where it started. You had to take your shoes off. No more smoking on that shit. I think mm-hmm. that had already stopped. But it, you couldn't do a lot of stuff. Like TSA had stepped their fucking game up. I remember the queues to get to on a flight after 9-11 had jumped up to like 90 minutes. Oh, yeah. Like it got really crazy as they figured it out, you know, how to do all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. it was it was a really contentious time and it was really tough. So like seeing how many people not only... I feel like in a lot of ways, Josh, people use that fear to not only like get us to buy stuff, but also get us to vote at that point. Like people, yeah. people definitely utilize that fear get to, to get us to do what they want to do. Yeah, get us to get shots. They do yeah. they use that fear. <laughs> the same shot you got. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was cleaning up my house today and I saw the vaccine card. I was like, remember this? I remember it, yes. I was like, this is crazy. No, it's not. I threw it away. What the fuck is this? No, you it's on your phone. Because it's on your phone. It's on my phone, but it's like, yeah. when's the last time you've actually used it? Uh, it's been about two years. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. But, but the thing is, is that the fear was was in, in a way you're right. I, you know, I, I'm I'm you're right. They use fear to get you to do things. But they do, they do use fear, but but they need but to use fear to get niggas to eat or, organic. I don't do that. Yeah, I don't have no they, fear. They need that. fear. They need to use fear properly. <laughs> <laughs> They're not using fear right. I'm sorry. They need to use fear for a lot of Jesus other things. Christ. The good thing, at least from a music perspective, I don't think it has changed. Even in between 2004 and, like you said, in the 70s, niggas wanted Nixon out. They put in the music. 
Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Even though some people did not mm-hmm. really agree with, you know, the way that he was approaching that album that ends up being one of the more uh, uh, political records that I guess you could say that people try and use. Uh, 80s, they wanted uh, they wanted out of Russia. They told Reagan, let's get out of here. Mm-hmm. 90s, they had their records as well. Yeah. And 2004, we end up being where we are right now. And 2004 ends up being a, a pretty difficult time. This is now three years removed from 9-11. I would say that it's probably been at least a year or so since the actual bombings began. I ended up, I ended up pinpointing that in my head just based off the South Park episode. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been, it's been a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy time, especially for me right now in 2004 as a 13 year old, you guys are around the same age as well. This, yeah. this, this, um, this circle is going through some pretty tough times as it kind of feels like right now with a lot of kids in 2023. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say it like like how Pusha T said. Yeah, the chase was wild, but what the fuss about? That's how it was after that shit happened in my neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> we it was it was like whatever. It was, I I think the most that we got was the fact that like like music channels and radio was all fucked up for like a month. Oh really? You can't watch no TV. Remember MTV? Oh wasn't yeah, playing shit. just oh yeah, there was a straight war. 9-11, all that yeah, bullshit. It was yeah, playing, yeah like, right. the new MTV was playing the news, and then yeah. they played nothing but a straight block of music videos with, like, people in between it talking about their experiences of 9-11. Yep, 9/11 yeah. BET was completely shut the fuck that down. That was crazy. I could, there was not, as a kid, there was fucking nothing. No, you know what's wild? Back then, I was a big Food Channel person. Wow. So I was watching the Food Channel. They was regular they was, programming. They was running? It was regular programming. Emerald Gassi. Nowadays, nowadays, they would have had a Cake Wars, 9-11. Oh, food shit. network by this point. It, been crazy. It would have been like, yeah, give me your best. Give me your best. That's how crazy the fucking world is today. Yeah. I'm I'm literally reeling from the fact that I watched five minutes of that that TikTok live girl today. Oh yeah. I watched a few minutes. It's just that's just scary. Honestly, that shit scares me. It does scare I mean, me. We're gonna talk about this in the regular show later this week, or but that shit literally scares me. It's crazy. Not even like the it's just it scares me. Like I'm looking at her and the emotes she's making scare me. You don't like you you don't like human NPCs? No, nah, like no. that's just scary. I don't like NPCs. I think that's just a little weird to me. And video games, like video games, are scary to me sometimes. What's that's why I said Max Payne. Like, remember the fiends in Max Payne? Yeah, but how are NPCs in video games scary? They're just, I don't know. Like, they're scary to they me. Just stand there and do nothing. Yeah, like it just sometimes. Like, I'll be playing like GTA, GTA or some shit. I'm like, I, this is... I'll say GTA Five and Red Dead Redemption Two for one. The actual the NPCs in Red Dead Redemption Two actually go about their day. Yeah, Have you shit, ever follow one of them? It shit just scary yep. to me. I don't know. Man. Like the NPCs in Red Dead will like go home, go to sleep, they'll wake up, mm-hmm. do all this shit. Like that. That's a they need to make realistic NPCs that that like react to shit. Like Red Dead was a, was was ahead of its time, but it's coming. GTA Six, it's coming. Just know. Is it? I I, I fear <laughs> I fear what is on the way with this next Grand Theft Auto. It's at least ten years of technology coming. Oh my god! Imagine GTA GTA Six with. What we have now and how niggas is on Twitter. Kai Sinat probably gonna be in that shit. Hmm. Like the way this shit going right now, like it's, it's it's gonna be a Twitch mode in that bitch. Like I have no clue what to expect. What I want to get into is rock and the black household. Oh yeah! And you mentioned it earlier. Uh, this was the, this was you know you remember buying this album. I had actually got on rock music a little bit earlier because I was a big fan of TRL back in the day. TRL <clears throat> and 106 in Park was like it was neck and neck. It was like after TRL, got to watch 106 in Park, and I was getting yep. into all of that shit. And I was the the first band that I think I actually had a connection with was fucking Corn. Yeah. 
That is the one. Now I remember Corn. I remember that Follow the Leader album. Um, I was big on Corn too. Uh, my cousin actually kind of just my cousin put me on a lot of different music, but he was big into the rock shit too. And um, I remember he just I was just hearing shit and be like, okay, this sounds cool. So like Incubus, Corn, yeah, yeah. um, Rage Against the Machine, yeah. who all had a little hip hop leaning kind of feel to them. I feel like to me personally, Green Day was the first band that really didn't lean so much into the hip hop right. shit. Even though they did have moments on the album, like um there's a song on there that has like a break beat kinda in the beginning of it. Um and we'll get to it later. But but yeah, that for me it was like just by proxy of my cousin. Yeah. And um the first band that I kinda like fell in love with was Green Day. That and they had so many classic fucking songs. The the cover for Dookie is yeah. one of the most classic. iconic covers I've ever seen. When I first saw that I said they can fucking do that. <laughs> like like niggas can actually do that and put the songs out and actually you know have it look like fucking a poo like like farts in the air like that that was crazy it was blink 182 running naked blink 182 was another one the late 90s was like a treasure trove especially for 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 kids you know our age to actually get into some some different music i, I feel like that type of discovery is is still around but in a different way it's now through like word of mouth is is a lot yeah. bigger. Like not like back then, it was so easy for because we watched so much TV for a channel yeah. to tell us what was cool and tell us what to watch, and it was easy to just kind of fall in line with that shit. So it was it was dope to again come up in that era, and then that was when new metal was coming up. So Limp Biscuit, of course, was mm-hmm. coming out. They was working with DMX. They was you know doing all that shit. But I want to know what was it like in your household when your mom or your dad or anybody in there found out you was listening to these niggas? Nah, I, I remember buying this album. I was on the family reunion. I was coming back from a family reunion in Houston. Mm-hmm. And I think we just stopped at the mall, Galleria. Um, and there might have been Sam Goody or... Yeah, I think it was Sam, Sam Goody. Goody. R.I.P. So I was like, man, like I was like, we're going to Sam Goody. I'm like, let me get a CD before we go on this plane or whatever. So I'm like, oh, I want the Green Day CD. Oh, shit. So my mom was like, oh, like, all right, whatever you need, go get it. So I remember they only had the clean version on the shelves. Yeah. The, the explicit version was like behind the employees. <laughs> so I like told my mom, like, yo, I want that CD. And she was like, why is it behind them? Like, what, what, what's on this CD? Like, what's going on? I'm like, it's just a rock album. Like, so then I bought it, listened to it on plane, And I was just like, this shit is amazing. Like, it's hard. Yeah. And like, just like, I think beyond, you know, I probably had seen something on TRL or MTV or something like that. But beyond just seeing it on TV, I think for me, another thing that really stamped it in my household was Madden 05. Mm-hmm. Um, it had one of the songs on there. I think it was American Idiot. and Or it might have been Holiday. I think it's Holiday. Holiday. Yeah, yeah it was Holiday. And um, I just remember playing the game and just always hearing that song yeah. over and over again. I was like, yo, this shit's, this shit's fire. And, and again, it, it's it's that discovery angle. And, and I think, I, I feel like in, in a lot of like households, like my mom was never really didn't really care too much about cussing and rap cds but if you brought a rock home cd or a rock cd home it was always the 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 tried and true is this devil shit <laughs> it's the tried and true guitars is devil shit and i used, i told mm-hmm. her one day like but you know that like i like literally said but black people used to play guitars back in the day and then she was like shut up and i was like <laughs> all right like I, I and another like i and again i was a huge corn fan she actually bought me follow the leader for my birthday it was like my ninth birthday i think mm-hmm. um and Ninth or tenth, because it was it was what ninety seven. I brought, yeah, it was my it was my tenth birthday, mm. and um, I remember I was I was such a big fan. I bought their albums, and they had their their one album issues. That was the that was the the album that had uh the South Park tie in, mm. which was like next level at that point because they premiered the song on South Park, which was again shit that don't happen today. Um, mm. I got like C's on my report card one time, two C's, 
and she fucking took my CD, looked at the fucking back. Why was there a song in there called Trash? So she said, <laughs> what is this shit? It's because you, you get these seats because you listen to this shit. And she said, oh, trash? Yeah, that's what the fuck this is. And she tossed it into the trash. Ah, she hit the bow wow? away. She threw it the <laughs> fuck away for over two C's. Uh. I, had to, I had to fucking rebuy it. That's how deep it was. What were the C's in? <sighs> I was wilding in seventh grade, yo. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was wilding. I was wilding. Like, it's seventh grade. Like, you, that's what, seventh grade is when you first start, like, seeing girls, like, when you first start, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like fucking with, with, with all types of different shit. You start cutting up in class. I think it, it might have been algebra for sure. For sure. I've never been a math kid. Mm. And it was also probably yeah. social studies. I was probably fucking up in those two classes. Not, it's not even fucking up. Is it fucking up? Is mm. the C fucking up? C's fucking up. No, it's not. I was a good student, man. D is fucking yeah, up. I get good grades. D is fucking up. <laughs> she nah, got- you can't. Hey, I'm not coming to the house if I got a D. I'm just going to let exactly. you know. Exactly. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. If you are a great kid. You get straight A's or you get B on a row, A on a row, whatever, your whole way through, and you get two C's. Okay, get mad, but don't get that fucking mad. The niggas used to steal their report cards before their parents see it? Yes, that happens. I've done that a few times. But then what happened is to pin that shit to you. Oh, uh, no, I used to like, I used to come They used to, the to pin it to you. My teachers at my school used to pin that shit to you, and they say, we, we'll know if you ripped it off because, we, you know, we pinned it to you and we're going to call. That's like the double whammy. Mm. It should have came home pinned to him. When I moved down to Florida, they did it different. They told parents, hey, we got a website to check the grades. Here's your login. So I was like, oh, fuck. But then, hey, my mom didn't really know how to do all that login stuff at that point in time. She was, <laughs> she made she you set it up. I had to work a computer, but she wasn't so like that. So if there was a certain moment that we had to change a couple things, you know, just hop on Microsoft, picture it at that point in time. <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah, Mix I don't up know. a little bit. They should just send my shit home. I just intercepted. How, how how was niggas intercepting it though? Like, oh, like my my dad wasn't checking the mail like that. Or when he was, I was checking the mail. Like, okay, this is my shit. I would just be sitting like silent, like rocking back and forth. And he used to come like he used to come almost like a check. You know how you can like it has that black film. Yeah, on it. yeah. Like, rip like, it off. Rub that shit so like you can rub out the gray down yeah. there. Like just it's black. You'd be like, what is this? <laughs> it's a B. <laughs> it's a B. Yeah, man, I did good. Great hustle is crazy. And in 2004, it was definitely like the year of the great hustle. But I, I think that, again, I, I, I wonder, and I brought this up on Amp Radio as well. Like, I wonder, like, what's going to be that moment or what's that moment for kids today? Like, what's going to be that moment? Because, like, that discovery was awesome. And then there's so many bands and now all of them are like legacy acts and yeah. there's nothing left. It's, well, it's, I feel like for kids nowadays, that discovery is just happening on TikTok. And mm-hmm. it's not so much the, the big TikTok records, but it's like them discovering their favorite underground act like you know uh mindy or smino mm-hmm. or someone like that and um and beyond just the hip-hop genre they're just discovering new bands and shit like that and be like oh this is cool what mm-hmm. what what do you think made a lot of these because i because i know that a lot of people say like you know everyone will bring up corn everyone will bring up lip biscuit like and that's like no shame whatsoever people will say mm-hmm. that they, they like them why do people actually have shame when they say they like these things like like it's it's actually like a thing where it's just like i can't I listened to Limp Biscuit. That was a terrible time for me. And I'm like, that wasn't really like, yeah, shit was I mean, hard for the time. Cause you look back at it, it's almost like listening to like Nelly. <laughs> like, I, it's, it sounds like a joke, but it's like, you could, it'd be hard pressed to find a hip hop fan like, Nelly, that's my shit. Like, I, like, I mean, really? you, you will. Okay. But it also feels very in the moment. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it aged really well. I think that's what it is. I, I always wonder what made these acts like Paramore and so like, and Paramore, they're, they're still going today to, to, yeah. to their credit. They're like 10 years strong in this shit. But yep. what makes them black people friendly, so to speak? No, you know what it BPF. is. 
I I think it's the the swing and it's a lot of the music. Like mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of like are we listened to Green Day just this past week, and I'm like, yo, like even though this isn't a black song or a hip hop song or R and B song, it has a swing to it. Yeah. And even songs like uh, Extraordinary Girl, yeah. it starts off with a breakbeat and yeah. then it just goes into some rock <laughs> shit. <laughs> so it's like they just always had that feel. And, you know, just from doing my research on this album, like I, I was uh, like I was reading an interview that um, Billy Joe Armstrong did and he mentioned being inspired by hip hop. Yeah. And Outkast in particular and how much Outkast like how ambition, how ambitious they were about yeah. their music and just like how they incorporated different sounds and like how they just he felt like at the time rock was stale but the rap guys are really pushing boundaries and they kept pushing yep. <laughs> and, they, and they kept pushing so we're, we're like, let's let's just go ahead and get into the making of american idiot i think that just and, and it, we love this album it's a great album but i i, I love the story behind it because it, it it has so many layers it starts with like green day and they were they you know they had their album warning that came out in 2000 and they went back to the lab for American Idiot, but at this time the band was kind of contentious with each other. Like they were fighting with each other, they weren't really fucking with each other. Like one of them, I think, I think uh, one of them said like, "Oh, we should do a greatest hits album." And they were like, "Yo, nigga, that means we're." He didn't say nigga. He said, "Oh, he said, <laughs> 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 did he? He said, he, he said, no, nah, that means that our career is over if we got a greatest hit out, a, a great greatest hits album." And they were on the verge of breaking up before you know they came up with it with an idea where they said, you know, let's make our let's make you know uh our own 30 second songs and let's play them for each other and it basically became a competition with all of them when they were like yo let's let's come up with the best 30 second song and whatever is the best one will make an actual album out of it or make a song out of it and that's where you get a lot of the the inspiration for songs on american idiot i actually well it's funny enough to that point or to that story all the 30 second songs are what made uh uh suburban jesus Jesus. yeah jesus of suburbia Jesus Jesus of suburbia And that song is so amazing because it's like, it sounds like 30 seconds, four, it yeah. sounds like three different 30 second songs. <laughs> yeah. And it's just dope, like how they, how they did that and how that tied the whole album together. Um, I don't know. It's just such an interesting process that isn't really, I, I haven't seen anyone re- replicate that. And I, I can't see that in hip hop even. How familiar with you with like how rock albums are created? Because I always find it interesting how they create them from, I always used to be like, how do they, do they play, does everyone play at the same time and then they record it? I'm like, no, the guitar person plays their part, the mm-hmm. other person plays their part, then the vocals play their part and they put it together. Yeah. And I've always thought that that was really interesting. Yeah. No, I, I've, it's, I've seen it, I've heard of it being done that way. I've also seen it being done where they just are all playing at the same time. I've, I've seen like hip hop bands do that before, yeah. but, um, but yeah, how they record this album is they wrote everything demoed everything then went in and recorded it in in layers like that i was gonna say i am actually interested in one thing that josh said the mindset of trying to you know idealize what a rap variant of something like a jesus of suburbia would be because reading on jesus of suburbia i ended up seeing that billy joe armstrong wanted to make his own he wanted to have his own bohemian rhapsody yeah and Mm -hmm. That ends up being a huge, huge thing because so many people take to heart. Oh, my God. It's one of the biggest, best writing, best recording, longest song, one of the best records of all time. There's no way that anybody could make another Bohemian Rhapsody. But I started thinking about it. and I started realizing, you know, I don't really see that quote too much in hip hop. And I I try not I try to stay away from that mindset just a little bit because, you know, the the, the realities between rock and rap are always so different. And a rock fan's mind will always be, oh, well, there could never be a Bohemian Rhapsody in in, in hip hop. But <laughs> there's never really the artist that's like, yeah, I wanted to make my own version of 
Good Kid, Mad City, or I wanted to make my own version of uh, Get Rich or Die Trying. You see it sometimes. You like I know sometimes. on Good Kid, Mad City, Kendrick said uh, one of the records on Section 80, uh, he said it resembled Brenda's Got a Baby. So mm. it's not like it's not, it doesn't happen in hip-hop, but it's not really too much of a moment with some of the artists that are out today that are just like, yeah, I wanted to replicate something that meant a lot to me 10, 15 years prior. You know, it's funny. I think, to your point, I think YG in My Crazy Life was mm-hmm. trying to be that good kid, Mad City moment for him, at least. But mm-hmm. I think to that point, it's like hip hop isn't that intentional right now. Yeah. Kind of just a collection of songs. I think the the person who is probably doing that the best. Kendrick. Kendrick, but then also Travis Scott. Mm-hmm. I, don't even, I don't even know if it's like replicating, but I think he looks at at these grandiose albums that Kanye and, and, and his, the people here yeah, are inspired yeah. by made. And he's trying to make his own version of that currently. Um, someone who does that on a smaller level is actually fucking, um, lucky. <laughs> like if you listen to Lucky's music, like he's just remaking chief keep song. Okay. He's, he's paying homage to little Uzi Vert. I haven't heard his new project. Yet. Um, it's pretty good. I like it. Um, but it's just like, yeah, like you listen to a song, you're like, Oh, he's inspired by chief keeps, but it makes sense. He's from Chicago. I, I feel like, and again, like you said, it's not, it's not intentional enough. I'm like, I think that's why nothing is really sticky. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. like there are definitely albums that people are talking about things, but it's not part of like the kind of the zeitgeist right now. It's not what people really want to hear. I don't know, really know what people want to hear right now in hip hop, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. Hip hop is in a really weird place. Um, I was going to tweet this the other day, but I was like, I don't even feel like starting a conversation. Yeah. But I feel like the first six months of a year, the superstars of hip hop kind of just gave a runway for mm-hmm. all the young cats and, and whoever wanted to pop their hand up and be like, hey, I'm next. Mm-hmm. And no one popped their hand up. <laughs> so now you got, you know, the superstars coming back around. You got Drake dropping soon. You got Travis dropping soon. You got Future dropping soon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when we're going to see the next hip hop superstar. I don't even know who it is. Yeah, because like, they can't they can't do this forever. Those three aren't going to do this forever or they're not going to do it in the, in the same clip forever mm-hmm. that they've been doing it at. And that's been my, my main my main concern. I always remember and I know we're like off off topic here but i always remember saying like if chance the rapper can get it right he could have been that one yeah and then he i don't know what happened fumble he fumbled it like fumbled. that he could have been that one just being too independent too 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 i feel like artists especially hip-hop artists just think that they just got it made yeah and if you look at any type of art it's like you gotta kind of pay homage and, and lean into the predecessors to get to that next point exactly look at anybody who's done it yeah. drake's done it with wayne uh kendrick's done it with dr Dre. like Travis has done it with uh, with Kanye West, so yeah. it's like, and I don't know. They just the newer hip hop stars tend to not do that. Thug with Lil Wayne, mm-hmm. and you know it's just it's interesting, man. Like you know that's why they kind of fall fall off the wayside and really don't get to that superstar level. And to your point, like it was Billy Joe and and Green Day thinking we want to make like a opera. Mm-hmm. This is going to be like an opera, mm-hmm. and having that mindset, I just don't feel like people make albums with that mindset no more. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it's like. We want to make something that people feel. Fuck the the sales. Fuck all of that shit. We want to make something that people feel and that's genuine. And you can feel that in this album, but it feels very. They felt very intentional in doing that because when they had those thirty second songs, they came up with uh, "Jesus of Suburbia," and and that kicks everything off for, for the creation of that album. They they did the album in Oakland. How crazy yeah. is that? Well, they're from the Bay. They're from like the East Bay area. Yeah. And and one thing about this album I always go back to is it's a very California album. Absolutely. Like it, it sounds like <laughs> driving with your windows down on the freeway. So, um, and it just sounds like Venice Beach Skate Park. Yeah. Like it just feels very California when you listen to it. So, um, yeah, them recording it in, in, in LA was just like 
Chef's Kiss. Or they recorded part of it in Oakland and part of it in Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think like even even more than that is like how they kind of rally in a bunch of the lyrics on the on the album against subliminal uh messaging that, that's going on mm-hmm. in the news and that's going on with politics. But all that this is this is also kind of subliminal in some way where like you said, it sounds like a cal- it sounds like something that it isn't. Yeah. Like they're actually saying something to all these songs and people are just Absolutely. listening to the chorus. I feel like a lot of that shit wouldn't fly nowadays. Like no. I can't see a band coming in and dropping the F bomb and Oh, we're gonna talk about that. It's in like a some hell Hitler lines and it's like it just wouldn't really even metaphorically yeah. wouldn't fly it's Part of the story. Yeah. yeah. But I, it worked and I think them prefacing the album with like, hey, this is a, a opera and a mm-hmm. story and we're trying to tell the story was very important because it, it just helped you conceptualize the album. And to the and to the point of the politics of the album, when coming up with the theme of it and the Jesus of Suburbia thing is just wild. It's, it's about a kid who, who who's growing up on like Ritalin and soda or some shit like but that. That's, and that was the kid of that damn. It was. Age. That was. I mean, that was us. Yeah. Like our, our the American way. Up, yeah, mm-hmm. we grew up on TV, latchkey kids eating fast food for lunch and dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so it very much was a characterization of the the teenage kid at the moment. The post 9-11 teenage kid. Again, mm-hmm. he's taking Ritalin, anxiety riddle mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like they were really catching the pulse of what was going on in the world at that point. And I think what Billy Joe kind of said, I think it was either him or Trey Cool, they said, you know, there's something that's not right. I think one of them said, <laughs> something is not fucking right. Somebody's gotta say something. And I think having that attitude going into American Idiot. Is why it feels so genuine to me because yeah. it felt like they came on there and they really had something to say. And I, I feel like I learned so much about these three doing this fucking uh, this episode. I'm like, damn, like I really respect the shit that they was going for because there aren't enough people. Like people are too scared, I think now. And I, I don't know if they would do that today. I, well, actually, they're still the same the way that they were back then that they are today. But yeah. I don't know if a lot of people would take that stand stance that they would today. I feel like Kendrick again is the only one that would, would stand up and say, "Yes, I said this." I said it in this context. You guys aren't listening. Yeah. No, it's not too many artists. I want to even give us that. And, um, and yeah, to your point, it's like Kendrick and I can't really think of who else. Nobody. You might have like a, I don't know, Killer Mike. Killer Mike. You know, you know where he's standing. But it's just like, at least he's standing somewhere, standing on something. I think, you know, so it's really, it's really dry out here for like political music. Yeah. And when you do get it, it's very much like, I don't know. It's just not as creative as it could be. They didn't care about pissing nobody off, and and you know, we'll, we'll let's just get right into the album. American Idiot, really just kind of like a teardown of everything that's going on. This song was everywhere. Yeah. This song everywhere. was fucking everywhere. Movies. Commercials. Yeah. And that's why I say about the subliminalness of the song. I'm like, yeah, they took, you know, they took that sync deal, but they was like, hey, whatever's in the actual lyrics, that's on y'all. Like, we just took the money because there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, he, he says, uh, I mean, we got to get to the second verse where he says, well, maybe I'm the F America. Let me, t- they used let me to tell you. Really loud. Let me tell you, I didn't know that he said this. I didn't know. Huh. We think he I said only fuck heard, it. I only heard the edited version before I heard this version. Like wow. even even when it, I, I, and I'll be clear, I've heard half of this album clean back in the day. Sure, I hadn't heard the whole thing fully through, and I don't even know. And and again, you know, big shouts out to Josh for even suggesting it because I hadn't thought about this album in years. 
So, and it's almost 20 years old now. So like it, it, it was, it was really interesting going back to it and hearing what they were talking about. Cause back in the day, I did not know what the fuck was going on. No. And that makes a ton of sense. I feel like in that day and age, music was very much, um, censored. Mm-hmm. I always think oh, about yeah. the black IPs and like, let's get retarded in here. Yeah. And, but let's get it started. They were, they pretty much erased that song. That, that, that the version, original version is not on streaming. No, it actually it. is gone. Yeah. It actually yeah. is gone. Now. It, it's gone. And, and, Think about we was jamming to that shit back. In the yeah, day. I mean that shit was. I remember that was like the NBA song. Yes, and once that, that happened, I was, they started to erase the past one. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, like it. it that, that was the NBA. It was like the playoff song. Yeah, wasn't it? that was a big song. Niggas was was. Yeah. Well, I am. I was gonna say, but do keep in mind, you know, when you when you read, if this is the first time, and for anybody that's listening to this episode, if you are if you are hearing this record for the first time and you do hear this second line, uh, Billy Joel Armstrong is somebody that. Um, it came out as bisexual and you know this term was something that was pretty prevalent let's just say at that at that time in 2004 hey be real it was prevalent everywhere yeah (laughs) movies music prevalent everywhere and and i think even in that second line he says i'm not part of the redneck agenda that that goes right into it because that's what they was calling him because because as as crazy as it may seem to a lot of people like it wasn't okay to be that back in the day you know yeah. what i mean it's, it's it was even it's bad and i mean for a lot of people it isn't today but it was even less so <laughs> but also i think that's what a lot of people associated rock music with yeah and that's where they were like yo we make this type of music but we ain't that that was what good they point. were trying to get the port across that, that's think. a good point yeah. that's a good point like it, and again it was i love how and i love this where we keep saying in the show is how intentional it was it was basically like this is the first song in the album this is what we rocking with. So if you don't fuck with it, you might as well just skip. Yeah, yeah. But like, fuck. They do the case like turn it off. If you a bitch ass nigga, like, like turn this shit off because it's not for you. But I think this is also really the quintessential sound and vibe and swing of a of a rock single at that moment. Like mm-hmm. it was the moment. Like you hear it and you're like, damn, this is 2000s right here. Yeah, yeah. Like you go back to it, it's like, oh, I remember where I was exactly when I heard this song. Like I. I and again, like I hate, I, I'm going to say this a lot. Like I didn't know how deeply they were getting into how the culture was back in the day, but l- go back and listen to the song, read the lyrics and study it. Like that is the capsule of what 2004 was like post 9 yep. 11. It was a bunch of redneck niggas shooting niggas. Cause you got to think about crazy. It. After 9 11, it was just, that was when patriotism was at its highest. Yeah. And Billy Joe Armstrong even talks about it. It's like he was riding and, and her Leonard Skinner, um, how how to like it? I think it's called. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think in the song they mentioned like being proud to be a redneck. Mm-hmm. He was like, what? <laughs> Hell no! He's like, I'm the direct opposite of this. I have to get this message out. And literally, he wrote it after hearing that song. Do you remember? Do you remember the South Park? They took our jobs episode. That's that's the mentality that I look at at, at that at that post 9-11 type mentality mm-hmm. in the United States. You know, it's crazy. South Park's been refer- referenced three times. I've never watched that show. Really? Never. Watched Stop it. it. Never watched Stop it. You've never I watched, watched South Park? Stop I watched it. a couple episodes. Stop I know the like, Kenny's dad joke. I might have watched a couple episodes just because I know that much of Never, it. ever? Never been a fan. That's cool. Well, never. Not one, what? not one, not even 10 minutes of an episode? Josh, I might have watched Might have been one. too immature. You were like 10. I just always been super immature to me. I, I want people to understand South Park had the world in a head. It's, it's funny now. Like, you can just see it randomly on Comedy Central and it's like, oh, South Park's on. But the headlock that this show had on America, not just not just us sitting here on the show or not just a couple of people of South Park fans, the whole nation between South Park, it's uh, it's it's it should be you should probably know how crazy it is. There, there's I, I could give you 10 top South Park episodes. I was a Simpsons guy. 
that's fa- everyone says that in opposition they to have, South, South Park. Park has an episode about I just never I've never been a big fan of it. I watched Simpsons, Family Guy. I was on Fox, so I wasn't really watching. I was Comedy on Comedy Central. Central. I was watching fucking Dave Chappelle. But I was like, oh, three, oh, four. Yeah, South Park South was already Park was in like, like season seven or eight. I know. I just, yeah. I just never was. Would like, you ever go back and watch? It? My homegirl is trying to get me to watch it. I'm like, yeah. If Mark watches The Wire, maybe I'll watch it. You know what? I will, I will virtually shake your hand. I will virtually shake your hand there. Okay. What? I will suggest what? though. I will suggest though. Don't run away after season one. Season one is like. It's it's some of the jokes that a lot of a lot of huge South Park fans will 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 love and laugh at and so on and so forth. If it's too crass, you don't run funny. away. It gets better. I've never really watched. I've never watched a full season. I've probably watched a couple episodes. I've absolutely played the video game. <laughs> the uh, the one on sixty four where yeah, they had like the the gun. pee and throw yeah. pee. Yep. Uh, pee snow- snowballs. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely played the video game. Listen, man. I want to know about this handshake. Why can't you just what do happened? that? Like Joshua, literally, we could literally have a whole segment on that if you just watch the wire. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch the wire. I just watching. I just this motherfucker was talking about watching the idol before watching the wire. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't it's even understand epi- that. So what? It's five episodes. It's not good. Episodes, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> the wire is actually good. Well, I did. Just, I do have some time. I did just finish Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso series finale. Whoo! Amazing. Mm. Ted Lasso. That, that Wire season series finale. Whoo, yeah. crazy. Way better show than right, Ted Lasso. Well, I'll, I'll get to it. It hasn't what, been what, topped yet, what right? Is There's before, no TV show that's topped what it. What is before? That doesn't even make any sense. What is before The Wire that you that is like, it's literally like a show you could throw on and be like, yo, this is actually really cool. Nah, you could do an episode I, I, I a day. Really, I have to be really attentive. If this is the greatest TV show of all time, I have to be attentive. You stop, stop, that's stop it. prefacing with it with that because it sounds condescending. Have you watched the, have you watched Sopranos? No. And it's not uh, condescending. I really mean it. If, if this is what people mean is a true is the best TV show of all time, I want to be attentive. Yeah, you gotta watch The Wire. You was Sopranos. attentive to Ted Lasso though. Yeah, <laughs> was I? I mean, I just watched it. I just finished it. What's your favorite dramas? My favorite drama. Um, see, this is gonna be tough because I'm not. I'm not really a big TV guy. Yeah, we're about to get into this on the on the black. Brand. Yeah, this, I, I, the handshake. Crazy. The handshake perturbed me. That's all. I just had to get to it. <laughs> let's get to the next song on the album. This is like the eight-minute epic, Jesus of Suburbia. They start right off with the song that kind of um, prefaced and, sure. and started yep. this whole thing off here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a couple, a couple like, it's a long song, okay? Like, oh, yeah. th- th- to go without saying, but there's a couple lines in here that, that, that got me. Again, kind of bringing in the personal experiences, but also showing how they, they, um, how they mimic and mirror what's going on today. He says on the uh, second verse after the very long uh, musical interlude, <laughs> he says, uh, the living room or my private womb with the moms and brads are away to fall in love and fall in debt, the alcohol and cigarettes and Mary Jane to keep me insane doing someone else's cocaine. Goddamn. Yeah, that was America. That was, <laughs> that was like, rough. that was a broken home in America. At yes, the time. Exactly. That's literally like, what it was like it, there was, a, there's a lot of things here that it, that is kind of like, and this is right before kind of, they do that drum solo. And that's one of those drum solos that, that uh, you talk about Josh, it's, it's the swing of it. which just like, yo, yeah, it's you fuck with it. It's like, damn, this shit got a little, little R and B. I don't know what the fuck this is. Got me tapping my feet. So it goes to the second ver or the second part of the song. Excuse me. That's it's called City of the Damned. Is the is the opera version of this on YouTube anywhere? I don't know. That's why I want to watch. I, I should have watched it beforehand. But there's a, a documentary that they did about this, and there's an opera version. I, funny enough, when the opera version was running, I tried to catch it. Um, 
Just didn't have anyone to go watch it with me, but I would have went. Yeah, this is like years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. I believe the opera soundtrack is on streaming. At least when I I did see it on Apple Music, I did want to tap into it before we did American Idiot. But um, I will say that the revisit of this did make me want to watch the entire play because the entire play not only plays out the entire album, but also has some other Green Day records. If you're familiar with Green Day, they also tie those into there as well. Oh, that's hard. If they did, if they do Brain Steel, that's that's going to be one of the hard. Brain Steel is one of they're best songs ever to me. I love mm-hmm. Brain Steel. Uh, an- another verse from City of the Damned. Uh, he says, At the center of the earth in the parking lot of the 7-Eleven where I was taught, the motto was just a lie. It says, Home is where your heart is, but what a shame, because everyone's heart doesn't beat the same. It's beating out of time. That's poetic. Yeah. That 7-Eleven, there was always kids at the 7-Eleven fucking wallet out. <laughs> yeah, just hanging out, just on some bullshit, and like, <laughs> nah, we're not the same. Hey, Alexa, play Black Parent Radio on M. Now playing Black Print Radio. There it goes. Exactly. What's up? I am Betty Who, and I am live on AMP. Michelle Beadle, the Kid Merrill. Live. Play music, we talk. On playlists that resonate with you. And you guys get to interview me, so we get to flip the script a little bit. Real connections with real people. Like the access to the library of the world of music. (laughs) And can I curse? Yeah. Connection is everything. Sharing music in real time. Only on AMP. On AMP. On AMP. And, and again, this is all prefaced under the character of Jesus of Suburbia. And I guess this is the prototypical, if you had to create a wrestler, create a player, you know, 2K, this is the mm-hmm. kid. I mean, dirty, he says, dirty faces. There's, there's children with dirty faces. He's always talking about lonely highways on this album. There's a nah, lot of lonely highways. You got to think, like, this is also very much like, like I mentioned last key kids earlier, but it's like yeah. kids were just out there just figuring it out on their own. Like, my mom's off at eight nine o'clock mm-hmm. and i'm just yep. out here in the streets seven, running seven, around seven. doing drugs yeah. with my homies learning about life with my friends not really having direction and i think that's what a lot of this album comments on and i feel like that's what that line particularly was about yeah, especially like homies where the heart is it's like no it's not like, yeah you know what i mean it's like, like nothing's at home yeah shit, shit's fucked up and, and again could you say that this is kind of like and, and again we get like this prototypical thing in hip-hop where it's like we came from broken homes Teacher said we never gonna be shit. That's a that's a rap trope at this point. Yeah. Teacher ain't never teacher telling everybody they ain't shit. Yeah. So but, it'll be cap. But it, it's like you never see it from the other side where there's actually kind of like rock artists giving you that, this that, is that window into that. This is that. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, this is that. And I mean, you you kind of I saw it really closely, especially like more so in high school, but mm-hmm. just like before then, it's like you know, it's to hang out with the skate kids yeah. and, and go and, and and I'm like, damn, like y'all really just like us. But I think hip hop had like a shinier look to it. So it's like, yeah. we're not just trying to be bums and do drugs. We're trying to be a fly. Yeah. Where I seen skate kids like, oh, I want to try heroin for the first time. Like, <laughs> you know, for real, like, it's not even a joke. Like, that's just what they were on. Like, I just need to numb myself from this shit. Where hip hop was like, I need to get money for this, for this, because of this shit. So yeah, yeah. I think that's a little bit of what he's talking about in this song. And then uh, we, we, we get to the next part. Uh, it's called I Don't Care. Uh, and, and that's where. You have the long, I don't care if you don't care. I don't care if you don't care. And then he says, everyone's so full of shit, born and raised by hypocrites, hearts recycled but never saved from the cradles to the grave. We are the kids of war and peace from Anaheim to the Middle East. We are the stories and disciples of the Jesus of the suburbia. That's bars. Yeah. This motherfucker was spitting right there. No, he gave it to you. I want to ask a question. Do rock artists get a lot more credit for their bars than they should? I don't really see too many people mentioning Zach De La Roca as one of the best, one of the best rhymers. I, I'm going to be real, bro. I don't feel like he's like a good like rapper to me. Rapper? Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's a good rapper. I, that's, I mean, I, I don't think so either. I think, 
I don't know. A lot of that shit just be like, it doesn't be as poetic as this for sure. Yeah. And that's why I kind of never stuck with it. Like I listened to Blink-182 back in the day, but it's like, it didn't stick with me now yeah. per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but something like this, it's like, okay, like you actually, he's spitting, he's saying some shit. We, we he, the, the, the line, we are the kids of war and peace uh, from Anaheim to the Middle East. A good shout out to SoCal there. Hmm. But also talking about the amount of pe- uh, the amount of young adults, 20s, 20, uh, from, from 19 up to 20, 25, they got shipped off to the Iraq war at this point. And I think that's the yep. one element that not a lot of people bring up when you talk about the Iraq war is that there were kids that were never, you know, he says we're the kids that were born on war and peace. We were in peace. Mm-hmm. And now they got to go to the, to the Middle East. It, that's the scary part about this shit is that like, if we were to go into a war right now, we probably not going, but like this, our some of our friends is going. Oh yeah, no, some <laughs> people I know are going. You never know. We yeah. might be inclined to be like, I'm gonna sign up. Yeah, that's what a lot of this shit was going on at that time too, and I think that's a lot of where it's, this commentary comes from. Is like it was so patriotism was so high at the time. Mm-hmm. Even if you didn't even enlist, you was on some fuck them, fuck them. Like uh, we not, I'm not fucking with those Arabs. Like it was just was a thing at the time. Yeah, and I I think that was a lot, especially around white folks. I feel like he was that was the not the circle he was in, but the the vacuum that he was in. Yeah. And he was just trying to break out of it and speak to how he wasn't a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people had no interest in in any type of fighting, any type of war until they seen those planes go in and then they ended up enlisting the next day. Some yeah. of the some of the biggest days of enlisting into any of these services happened after that 2001 attack. So, you know, and then now you get the next three years of patriotism, which ended up, you know. No, it was longer than that, Mark. Yeah. It was longer than that. That, well, that shit between 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 2001 and where we are now in 2004. I right? think by 08, it was like, yo, this is why are we still over there? <laughs> by, yeah. by 08, niggas was like, why, why are we still here again? Like, I mean, shit, you got to think about it. Like, we didn't really start withdrawing until four years ago. Yeah, really? like I was yeah. about to say, after Obama, low key. Well, well yeah. Biden pulled this out. Yeah. What the first year he was in? So that was like three. Yep, yep, like three yeah. years ago. I, th- I think like Biden. Uh, I mean, Obama was like keeping us there. Yeah, he was keeping us. Yeah, <laughs> like we like, we really didn't get out of the Middle East until recently. Nigga said it's too hard to get us out there. I was like, all right, nigga, you're you you losing it. But but again, like you think about, and I want to get into some of the albums like that that happened like kind of after this too. One day where where the Iraq War led us directly into the recession, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like that that shit, that we shit should got, do the recession. <laughs> it's one of the greatest albums ever. We should do the recession yeah. because there we go. there's a lot of that's the American idiot of rap. Right Man, Jeezy <laughs> was talking that shit on the recession. That's oh my the, god, one of the greatest intros of all time. That Man. that is the addendum to this album. It's talking about it from the black side. That's you know what crazy. I'm saying? Like that. That is that's a good. Yeah, I told idea. you. See, the black niggas talking about getting money. Yeah, and and. and Jeezy was talking. I mean, God damn, that's a good ass album. I don't want to get too. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, yeah. overflow with Jeezy talk. But that's we'll gonna to be it. on the list. Yeah. We're gonna do the recession. Uh, next song is Holiday. Another single. I so crazy. Yep. This was a single. They put an anti-war single on the radio, and they just they was cool with it back in the day. Yeah, uh, it worked. One of the first lines is, is called "Hear the sound of the falling rain coming down like an Armageddon flame." Jesus. Hey. Hey. He was talking about. They was getting hit with that Molotov Man. on this shit. And this was also the first that was like a two track, like yeah. Holiday and then Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah, yeah. So this, and honestly, I think that might have been the first time I was seeing that in music. I yeah. don't think even in rap, I it didn't was, see the the two songs together until like 
maybe Kanye and and well no was it Kanye even doing that it might have been like Travis Scott or someone I think like, it was Tra- Tra- I know Travis for sure did yeah like I, that was just new to me I was like mm-hmm. damn these two songs are together like on this track I I, uh, I mean I, I've done a lot of R&B niggas I know the dream did it at one point yeah but mm-hmm. that was like after this yeah, that yeah, is yeah. True. so yeah I, I I remember thinking seeing that and being like this is innovative Queen did it Queen did it Queen who the rock band yeah they did never listened to them oh <laughs> you never listened to Queen no come on why not you but, know a Queen record. Though, I mean, right? yeah, they play this shit, football games and shit. I I could send you a Queen, a, a couple Queen joints. They just did the movie about the Queen, right? Uh, a couple years yes, ago. Yes, Bohemian Rhapsody in uh, 2020? 2019. Yeah. 2019. Yeah, 2019. There you go. I liked it. It wasn't as good as the Elton John one, but. Hmm. One of the lines in the, in the second verse, or really this this whole thing, hear the drum pounding out of time, another protester has crossed the line. To find the monies on the other side, can we get another Amen. There's a flag wrapped around a score of men, a gag, a plastic bag on a monument. There's a lot of deep shit there. Mm-hmm. Like the flag wrapped around a score of men. He's talking about the, the casket with the yep. flags over it. Where people yeah. die. Um, the, the, the protesting and stuff like that. Talking about like us or the in, in the Middle East, Iraq, they're protesting and mm-hmm. knocking down statues. Mm-hmm. That was a whole thing. I remember like to your point earlier about like seeing all that on tv like that shit was non-stop like nuts. you damn near was cheering for it. like oh yeah. they're knocking down the the, the, the uh saddam hussein yeah. statue like ah oh, bring it down like but then you think about it and it's like damn no that, yeah, what, what are we like, doing this shit for bruh, i'm like is he really that bad <laughs> like, like, he, like he, he, he talks about uh the the gat like he talks about the uh seek hail to the president gas man of course talking <laughs> about the fact that yeah. Damn, that, that, that needed a case like, <laughs> damn. Comparing Bush to Hitler, but also ultimately talking about a big talking point that would happen within the Iraq war. And that was that we all did it for, you know, the oil pipeline that was in mm-hmm. the Middle East. And I mean, hard to say that that wasn't the truth because like in the end, we we got that. Yeah. Remember uh, WMDs? Yeah. Weapons of Mass Destruction. Weapons of Mass Destruction. That shit doesn't even sound like even saying it now. It's like, why do we believe that? <laughs> They even brought up fucking up France because France was like, yeah, are we, we doing a little much, guys? Yeah, yeah. remember we stopped saying French fries? We stopped saying fr- freedom fries. Freedom fries. <laughs> how wild was how wild wild on we, anybody. We was like, what? Y'all talking back? <laughs> freedom fries. The, the crazy part is, is that, fr- the, like, fr- that we made French fries. They didn't make that yeah. shit. Shit didn't make no sense. We made the name, you dumb motherfuckers. Uh, he also says... Um, Pulverize the Eiffel Towers who criticize your government, bang bangles the broken glass, and kill all the that don't agree. Trials by fire is set in fire in, in a way that's is a way that's not meant to uh, meant for me. Basically saying, yo, fuck it. We bought the we bought the protest like France was doing. To your point. We mm-hmm. bought the protest like France was doing. And again, there's this tinge of homophobia going on at that point, and they're talking about it. And I think this is one of the first groups that actually, especially in rock, and, and I think punk rock in general, hardcore music. There's an undercurrent of homophobia and racism. Yeah, that, that's inherent there, and I think that, to me, always kept me out of that scene, from getting too deep into that scene. Like, because I I always felt like, yo, do these people? Will these people? No, fuck with me. Except, yeah, they, yeah, 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 and there's an undercurrent of it, and and I think that I, I watched a couple of videos during COVID actually, where um a lot of fans, white people who were fans of, of, of punk rock and hardcore scene, they were like, yo, a lot, there's a lot of racism in this shit. Like, yeah. And we gotta, we gotta, we gotta speak on it because it's been going on for over 30, 40 years. And it's interesting, again, to see uh, Green Day calling out America, calling out you know, the industry for doing that. And again, it, it, Holiday's ahead of his time. And oh, we, yeah. we only own like, the, the first three songs, and this shit already a classic. Classic. <laughs> like, Big classic. Like, like all day. So 
uh next up is the is the b-side of this boulevard of of, of broken dreams uh this is this is directly about jesus of suburbia i think mm-hmm. from what i from what i'm listening to uh, we all know that we all know the words. Uh, we played it on Amp Radio too. I walk a lonely road. One of my favorite songs. The only what? What lonely road are you walking on, bro? <laughs> you, got, you gotta add some side zone onto that. You gotta hit that. I walk a lonely road. The only <laughs> one that I have ever known. You gotta give it his respect. It's all. It's a bunch of like lonely roads and highways and stuff like that. How many niggas was walking on the highway back then, yo? Hey, niggas was walking on lonely roads. In your mind. Think about it. Yeah. I mean, people, I think at that time, too, you had a lot of people were just like getting introspective. Yeah. And getting in their head and being like, damn, like, what's really going on out here? And he, it's funny that I read an interview again um, where he mentioned writing this song in New York. Okay. He went to New York for like a few weeks or maybe a few months, actually, just living in New York and just writing songs. And this was just a song he wrote, just walking alone. <laughs> um, Very walking city, too. So I get that. that I, I went to New York earlier this year. Well, I, I I feel like I got the real experience of walking in New York, yeah. and it it really is like it's it's refreshing. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. I, I liked it a lot. I like New York because you can walk and like be in big crowds and still feel alone. Why do you like that? Yeah. You you're you like a really like you like to be alone, don't you? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, it's cool. Like being alone. I I think I like to travel and do missions alone. <laughs> I, I get I things done say faster when I'm alone and, I, and just more efficiently. Uh, my, my wife had asked one day, she was like, what's Josh doing today? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, you know what Josh will do? He'll pop up one day and he'll have a fucking a jet. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I just, won't know how he did it. <laughs> I really just be just, honestly, like on my weekends, I'll just be driving, going to different <laughs> stores alone though. Like, I'll like, I'll just be like, oh, I'll catch up with you later. Grab dinner <laughs> with my girl or something. All right. uh, next song, Are We The Waiting? Another, this is, this directly, and again, it's a story, this directly starts from Boulevard of Broken Dreams, more introspective song, uh, Forget Me Not, Second Thoughts, Live in Isolation, Heads or Tails, Fairy Tales in My Mind. This is a song for Josh. This is all about isolation <laughs> and being alone. Um, I like this song, but I feel like it, it, it's the come down from like the first, what, 15 minutes of this of this uh, album hitting you in the head. You have a come down off that? Them drums slap me in the face. <laughs> nah, he, the he, way to come, them drums slap me in the face. definitely singing on this shit, though. It's like, yeah, it, this is a little, yeah, it's a little more somber of a note, yeah. for sure. Uh, it, and again, like, starts off with Starry Night, City Lights coming down over me. Again, continuing, like, the New York motif that he had from Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I, I like the song a lot. And, and again, it's very rare that, like, when I go through it, I've listened to the album, like, three times before we did this. I didn't skip one song. Like there was, there was like there were songs, in it, and I'll talk about it when it comes out. There were songs that were just like, eh, I was getting a little too long for me. But like, mm-hmm. it's, I, I found myself engaged the whole time. Did you, would you say? Would you say so, MC? Yeah, I would say the same thing as well. You know, there's not too many Green Day albums that I've played completely in full for the most part. It's uh, I've stayed with the singles. As you had brought up the fact that you're a Viacom baby, I'm also uh, being in New York City. I was a young kid at that point in time. We are definitely Z100 kids. So for the most part, I've known Green Day from Good Riddance. Um, I don't remember hearing when I come around too. I think I was a little bit too young for when I come around on Z100. Yeah. But Good Riddance was definitely that area for me. But by the time that I was, you know, 13 and 2004 came with American Idiot, I stayed more so towards the singles. Obviously, American Idiot, you saw it everywhere. They performed it with fucking bush masks on. And then <laughs> um, uh, Holiday and Boulevard of Broken Dreams, those are very, very big VH1 records. When you would get ready for school, you would guaranteed hear it at every point in time. So I more I mainly stayed with the singles, but hearing this in full and seeing the actual concept of the entire album was something that made me appreciate this in a much different light. 
Next song, Cigarettes and Ramen and a Little Bag of Dope. I am the son of a bitch in Edgar Allan Poe. This could have been Pimp C saying this shit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, this little white nigga is going crazy. Of course, I'm talking about St. Jimmy. All that slow shit that was going on before. Out the window. Out the fucking window is St. Jimmy. They right back into their punk rock shit. I, this, is, this is my favorite song on the album. Oh, really? I fuck, okay. I fuck with the song a lot. Yeah. It's my favorite song on the album. This like, is like a good storytelling track. Yeah, like uh, talking to me, I'll give you something to cry about. St. Jimmy, nigga. Yeah, this is the alter ego. As Jesus of Suburbia was kind of like, yeah, this city's kind of scary. Kind of want to get away from this just a little bit. And you kind of hear that type of style in Are, in Are We the Waiting? Jesus of Suburbia was trying to want, wanted to get away from a lot of this. St. Jimmy's like, yeah, I'll do all this. Heroin, pass it. Where we at? 7-Eleven for the night? I, I'm good. Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> this is the alter saying. ego like, of, uh, of a calmer mind. Yeah. And it's like you had the emo kid. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so we all know that group of, of kids, the rock kids. You had like <laughs> yeah. the girl who was kind of cute. Yeah. Little Avril Lavigne looking bitch. Yeah. You had the dude that was like emo quiet. And she and she always had like the, the arm thing yeah. with the holes in like it. Like motherfucking. Oh, the uh, Jeff Hardy? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Jeff Hardy. <laughs> But then you had the cool nigga. Yeah. He might have had a leather jacket on. <laughs> Greased up here. This is St. Jimmy. I was always, back in school, cool with them kids, though. Oh, yeah. And niggas never fuck with them. It was always the white bully kids that fuck with them. Mm-hmm. But the niggas, we, I feel like we have like a common, like even though we look different, we came from like the same type of background. Well, you know what I'm saying? In LA, those kids were just Hispanic kids. Oh, that's true. <laughs> like, they were like taggers, low-key, skate kids. And like, yeah, I fuck with them. I hang out with them. At lunch, smoking blunts, all type of weird shit. But but was like Mexicans, Mexican kids back when you were um going to school, they were down into like the old like vintage look too, right? Yeah, yeah, they were dressing like rockabillies. Yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. had the cuff jeans and like the spiked up hair. The the fuck, yeah. Or not even spiked up, but just slick back, back. looking like Johnny Bravo, looking like Grease. Yeah, (laughs) sure. I I always think that's interesting because I was like, damn, like what made people, what what. How do they learn that being that young? You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah, it's the music. I mean, they're really heavy into the punk scene, I, and that was what was always interesting to me because you know the punk scene was a little racist, but then they just kind of embraced it with open arms right. and like they found their pockets. So yeah, it was just that punk scene that just that that they grew up in and just went to uh, emulate in a sense. Uh, next song, a little shorter than I think. This is, is this the shortest song on the album? I, I feel like it is. Give me Novocaine. Mm. It's all about the drugs. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more calmer songs on the album. This is now Jesus of Suburbia, uh, pretty high. stressed out through everything that's been going on. It's just like, you know what? Let me just take into Saint Jimmy. Just pass me the drugs, bro. <laughs> let me let me let me hit that. Let me let me hit that heroin, my nigga. That, uh, out of body, out of mind. Kiss the demons out of my dreams. Get the funny feeling. That's all right. Jimmy says it's better here. I'll tell you why. Hey, future could. This might have been the. This might have been the inspiration. Hmm. That's what I'm that's, that's the thing that blows my mind so much about American Idiot. You take 2004 and 2023 from the way that they told this story. There's so many parallels. It, I, I don't want to say that it feels like nothing has changed, but it feels like between the past 20 years, things have just kind of stayed at a constant of just anxiousness, things going on, things feel like they're blowing up outside of the world yeah, yeah. and just trying to be at peace with it all in some form of fashion, whether you have to self-medicate or whether you try and find it, you know, spiritually or other or other ways. It's interesting that you say that because could you say that the kids who grew up like us in 9-11 and the kids who have only, because think about the, the long period of time, y'all, where we had 9-11 recession and then nothing, right, for a long time up until Trump, then COVID. So those are the new kids. We lived through some crazy shit, but like, would y'all compare kind of like 
what the the nine eleven kids to kind of like the COVID kids now. Like we're we're, oh, we're yeah, trying to, we're trying to regain our our footing in a lot of ways. Yeah, we're gonna get a we're gonna get the COVID kids as they grow up. We're gonna get some good music and just good yeah. thoughts from them. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most interesting things I've seen from like COVID is that um, and this is just like a real side note. This kid went up to um. I forgot what it was. It was some type of machine, mm. but they put their hand under it like it was like a, a, a alcohol dispenser. Oh man! And they just they don't even know. They just use they just see that and yeah. just start rubbing their hands. They don't even know that it's like not even that thing. So kids are gonna be fucked up from from COVID for sure, and they're gonna have some shit to talk about. I just think it's crazy, like right that like no one's really talked about it. Like 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 rap though. Like the only thing we get out of like rap is like. I wear a mask before I kill you, like I'm like it's a COVID mask, or like they're, they're, like we all knew that punchline was coming, but yeah. like, what, like what, n- not even in other types of music, not even pop music talks about it. Like no one talks about that. Yeah, I think everyone tried to party their way out of it, yeah. but that's just because we we're old enough to do that. Yeah, but you got to think about the kids who weren't old enough to do that, the kids who were isolated from school and couldn't go to school because of COVID, couldn't and, go to graduation. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Couldn't 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 go to senior dances. And, and again, like. I remember back at that point, people were like, well, fuck, fuck a fucking senior dance and, and some graduation. That's superfluous. I'm like, no, like that means something to kids. Like yeah. that's yeah. a, that is an institution. Like if you don't get to go to that, yes, that will fuck you up because what story will you have to tell where I can say like, Josh, how was your, how was, how was your high school prom? No, it's like, and you, that's a story. You have no story. So yeah. yeah, like, yeah. like I was, oh, I was at fucking home and me and my mom slow danced. Oh right, yeah. We watched, <laughs> we did it on zoom. Yeah. Like that, that shit's, that, that shit's sad. It, yeah. it, it was really dystopian, but uh, next level. The next song introduces a new character into the story. What's her name? That's some Atlanta shit. What's her name? What's her name? <laughs> What's her name? What's her name? What's her name, Shawty? Uh, we, we get it. We get it. This is the first like girl song. We call. They, I was gonna I, say they got a, they got a couple girl songs on here too. But uh, they 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 actually kind of mirror the album cover when he he talks about she's holding my onto my heart like a hand grenade again like bringing yeah. in all of those image images and imageries like all in in war one tropes. into one song yeah of the of the war tropes she's a rebel it's definitely for the ladies what song we hear is definitely more for the ladies than anything else yep um man what was after this extraordinary girl it was it's, it's, which <laughs> was really for the ladies. It's for the ladies, man. It's, it's Jesus of suburbia falling in love. Would this be uh, Mary? Will, will, will this be his Mary? Um, uh, <laughs> he's Jesus. Sure. He's Jesus. Shit, could be. She's an ordinary. She's an extraordinary girl in an ordinary world that she can't seem to get away. I know the girls was flashing they shit to this back in the day at the <laughs> concerts. Nigga, they knew what was up with this song, man. Again, it, this is where it kind of starts to slow down for me. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of extraordinary girl. I'm like, I love this song. I said, where are we going? Where are we going, y'all? He had to have a he had to have songs for the for the ladies. This is, so of course this is a, this is heavy fifty cent. This for the bitches, nigga territory. I know, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it did tell a story. You're about to meet you're about to meet this woman, and now you have you know your two alter egos. I'm sure from one side you're probably like, oh man, this girl's actually pretty nice. And then you know when Saint Jimmy meets her, it's like, hey, where we going tonight? Hey, we got bottles, we got all this. So you got to tell the area from both stories. But like you said, uh, from a from a complete album perspective, these next four records, you know, between between these two and then the record that comes after that, before Wake Me Up, before September Ends comes, uh, it's a little bit of the slower portion of the album. Yeah, we got uh, we get what's her name in full on Letter Bomb, uh, mm-hmm. which again talking about the Anthrax and all this yeah. shit, like they they laid it on which heavy. Was, man, remember Anthrax? Can you? Bro, niggas was getting niggas was mail, to mail with powder on it. But niggas was scared to open their mail after that. They thought they was just sending it to anybody. If if we told people this shit today, they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. 
But then again, I mean, shit, people were wiping down Amazon boxes during COVID. They thought COVID was coming through the boxes. Well, we, we didn't know anything at that point. Hey, man. We, we didn't know anything at that point. That was the wildest shit. Niggas was literally Lysol in there. Do you still box. do you still sanitize all the time? I still do. I, I sanitize before that. That's what, The crazy part about COVID was that I always had uh, like Lysol wipes in my house. Like yeah. After I eat and clean and all that shit, I just always wipe my tables down. So then once this shit happened, I was like, oh, I'm already stocked up. I'm so big on that now. Like even yeah. even because I'm to a point where now like when I go to the bathroom in a public place, like I have to I just have a sanitizer and I just mm. do that instead of because I'm like, I'm not I got to you see me to tell me I got to touch, touch all the that sink. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not touching the sink. I'm not touching these all none of this shit. No, I'm just going to hand sanitize. So if I see like if I go to a place and I see a fucking sanitize station, which they're very they're disappearing now. Oh, are they? Yeah, I'm seeing less and less sanitary stations, hmm. which is I always keep it in my car, and like it's just always close. By. I have it in my car, even when I like pump the gas. I'm I'm fucking furiously <laughs> and sanitizing. Yeah. I, I think that's the one thing from this period that's gonna stick with me in the same way that like anthrax stuck with us back in the day. Like if you get some powder on your, mouth, I think something happened where they sent a uh, mail to somebody at the Pentagon or to mm-hmm. the White House a couple weeks ago. Oh, and shit. And it had powder on it. Well, before they found the cocaine in the White House, but uh. they had, it had powder on the mail and it didn't end up being anything. But who actually got inf- infected with anthrax? I back forgot. In the day? It was like, they sent some type of senator or something like that. It was the same type of situation. That's crazy. Mm. Like I, Because I, after that happened, I don't feel like anyone else got anthrax, but no, did anyone figure out who sent it? Was it from the Middle East? Might have been from the government. Another <laughs> scare tactic. <laughs> Now that you look back at these to, situations, to you're scared. like, what is yeah. this shit? To keep us scared. Who, like, how you get anthrax? Who, who has access? Who was spreading it? Well, who created it? Right. I don't Didn't Kiss have a line about this? What did he say about anthrax on Y? I forgot what he said about anthrax on Y. Kiss actually, this is the same year, too, that Y came out, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. 2004. Why did Bush tear down the towers or blow up the they towers? They used to censor that line. Isn't that crazy? They used to censor Bush's name out of that. <sighs> real. Kanye did the uh, George Bush don't go care about black people the next uh, the next year. That nigga uh, yep. Mike Myers was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> shit, Mike Myers, Chris Rock was about to piss himself. Oh, <laughs> no, Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker, excuse me. Chris Tucker, Chris Tucker was like, "Uh, uh. yeah." Chris Tucker was like, "I'll be right back." <laughs> Chris Tucker, he, he hasn't acted in a movie in goddamn three years. Josh and I are like very much different in our opinion. So when you listen to the show, you'll hear him say one thing and I'll say something else. One of our big points of our show is that we want to be informative. We don't want to kind of hide the secrets. Like we want to kind of give the secrets so other people can kind of do it and follow our blueprint, our blackprint. You know, when we started, we didn't know how many people were going to listen. And then when people started, you know, tuning in, we were like, this is really something that, that could go somewhere. Hey Alexa, play Blackprint Radio on it. Now playing Blackprint Radio. There it goes. <laughs> So after Letterbomb, we have Wake Me Up When September Ends. This is probably my favorite song on there. Put the Ladder Up. Yeah, this is it. That's one of them joints. Man. Put the Ladder This is the what they call the climax of the rock opera, the hip opera <laughs> of American Idiot, uh, you know, versus like in the streets of shame where you've lost the, uh, your dreams in the rain. There's no signs of hope. The stems and seeds of the last dope. There's a glow of light. The St. Jimmy is a spark in the night. Bearing gifts and trust. A fixture in the city of lust. That's that's deep. Get into it. That that that's that that's very much again. Drugs are there. Saint Jimmy the Enabler is there. The dystopian is very dystopian, like torn down city that he lives in. That's all there. And again, they're bringing all of these themes and and all of that together. Uh, one thing that was interesting about the song that I read was that every every part of uh every part of the song was written by different people in the band. 
Oh shit! So uh, it, it was it was a product of a of a single session that they did, like a jam session that they did together, mm. and that they they created that song from that. So like it was it's actually really cool to know that they crafted something like so beautiful. Like it's, it's a very eloquently written song, um, and it shows like again they had problems, but they came together to make a classic. So like again yeah. they they was really in their bag with this one. Yeah, no, and I read somewhere too that like he had the title comes from um his father his father yeah. died september 12th yeah and he locked himself in his room and said wake me up when september ends so, <sighs> sad bro man it, it and is- that happened when he was like a, a kid so yeah. to come like harken back to that for this album at this time when he's talking about kids and what they're just going through yeah just uh it's deep it's really deep he also talks about stepdads too uh in holiday uh, uh-huh. i think holiday, like he talks about uh he said his mom had multiple stepdads or something like that and i was like i had a stepdad and i didn't get along with that nigga either <laughs> <laughs> be real uh so the p- second part is east 12th street um jesus filling out paperwork now at the facility on east 12th street he's not listening to a word now he's in his own world he's daydreaming he'd rather be doing something else now like the cigarettes and the coffee with the underbelly his life's on the line with anxiety now she's had enough and he's had plenty is this him uh signing up to i i, I thought it was i thought it was him signing up to, to, to enlist but apparently it was about him like signing paperwork because he because he beat on uh what's her name oh shit St. Jimmy, I hear Wallen. Yeah, I, I didn't even. I, I was like, oh, is he gonna? Is he gonna? Uh, is this him like filling out to enlist? And I was like, oh no, 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 it's him like filling out paperwork <laughs> uh, at the police station. Damn, mm-hmm. that maybe that makes sense about the the father stepfather angle. Yeah, ex- ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the next part, nobody likes you. You have Mike Dirt here, uh, the other guitarist. Uh, he's singing on this song actually, saying, "I fell asleep while watching Spike TV." I said, "Spike Nigga, TV." That if that's a capsule man spike <laughs> tv that was crazy remember what was being played at this point too it was the man show it was a bunch of silly ass shows yeah. at this point that, that mm-hmm. spike tv used to be the channel you kept on when you was just you just had it on when you was doing something else that's a crazy one like my wilder was raw on spike Am I yeah, it was it was for like a hot second because yep. remember it was tsn or tnn and then it became yep. spike and raw yep. was okay gone. that's what it was so it became spike that like literally 2003 raw um wwe had their last their last year their deal with tnn was that year and then they went back to usa in 2005 mm. so that was their uh, that, this they had like a year. they had like a saturday show on spike too yeah they did yeah, yeah they did uh, i think it was velocity at that point yeah. i, I want to say it was velocity at that point it, they had a lot of it was weird having to go to like back in the day tnn was channel 57 for us mm. so it was way up the dial like i was like no one watched tnn in my household because it was the texas network or the yeah. nashville yeah. network all you have was rodeos yep. and roller derby on that shit. So like when Spike TV or Spike TV came along, it it, it shut shit down. Like because from there it had uh, UFC, the um, yeah, all the little, the the manly shit. Yeah, the like the testosterone. <laughs> uh, they had they also had like a hundred ways to die. That was another show I used to watch on oh, there. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, they had that cops on show. there. They had a bunch of fucking shows on there. And then they um switched it up. I, f- I forgot what it became after that. Who got the Spike TV catalog? I need to go find these shows. I'm trying to remember what other shows that I was watching. I did watch Man Show. I, I'm still stunned. I'm still stunned that Jimmy Kimmel isn't in the position that he is right now, especially Walker, 20 years later. Was Walker Texas Texas Ranger? On it might have been on TNN. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Might have been on TNN. Like that. That played a bunch of the. That played. They played a bunch of a bunch of the the crazy Spike. stuff on there. Uh, then part four, rock and roll girlfriend. This is where I just kind of it kind of goes off the off the rails because it's, it's the drummer Trey Cool singing. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, where are we going? This song long as shit. <laughs> and he's talking about uh, go-karts and guns are the treasures they'll bear in this summer heat. Uh, Billy, Billy Joe comes back and says, the world is spinning round and round. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, he says, the 7-Eleven, to the fear of breaking down. The 7-Eleven's back. 
That's like the Texaco. That's like the Texaco in Atlanta. It is. Out in the like Bay? the Walmart in the South. Yeah, like the Seven Eleven is like that's where they that's where they hanging at. Yeah. He says, "Send my love." Uh, so send my love a letter bomb and visit me in hell. We're the ones going. Basically, say, "Yo, the world's fucked up. We all going to hell. Ain't shit changing." And this is where they, this is where they leave it at. Uh, I like this song a lot, especially just to to come off of all of, all of that. But then my issue with the album is that you still have more left. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, left. yeah, you have a, you have a yeah. lot left. I'm like, y'all, Punk's album should only be like 35 minutes at best. Can you get off a concept album in 35 minutes though? They yeah. they they nearly did it. They could have ended it with that song. They could have. They could have ended it. Well, I I would want Wake Me Up When September Ends on it. I think that's what I think that's where I, where I got tricked up. I think you would say Wake Me Up When September Ends. I think that was Letter Bomb. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. So when you said Wake Me Up When September Ends, I was like, to me, that's a 10 out of 10 record. To me, that's probably one of the more memorable records from Green Day. Um, it kind of it kind of moves away just a little bit from the story. It doesn't yeah. really go too much into St. Jimmy or Jesus of Suburbia. It ends up being reflective of, like how Josh said, uh, his father that had passed seven years before, um, prior prior to that record ended up coming out. And then, you know, you get you you get a you get a perspective that I think a lot of people can not only identify with, but you can also tie it with things that are not family. You can identify that with relationships, mm-hmm. friendships, and um like dude said, it's the lighter record that ends up going up and it ends up being one of my favorite Green Day songs. So what's her name is basically the take me back, baby, please. <laughs> uh he's broken up with what's her name. He fucked everything up with her. Uh and then we get kind of a shorter song here about her. And, uh, you know, break, breaking down how he remembers uh, their relationship. And it's a pretty big moment on the, on, on the album where it, that part that part of the story is, is gone now because allegedly he beat her off off the drugs, off the off the stems and seeds. And, and, mm-hmm. and the, like I said, it happens and it rolls us into the final song of the album. Uh, Favorite son. This song is about Bush, right? Like it's, it's, it's straight up about Bush. Uh, he's talking basically about. Uh, he says on one of the verses, a fixture in the talk show to the silver screen from here to Colorado. He's a sex machine. Uh, basically talking about all the films he had, he had appeared in at that point. He, I didn't know that George Bush had, had been in movies. Had he been? Yeah, he was. They, they, according, to, according to what I was reading about on, on this, uh, on this song, he, he had been. Uh, it says... Was it something that his dad was in and maybe he was just a kid in it? He was in uh, The Pursuit of Equality or some shit. What the fuck was know. that? I don't know. It's basically just I don't, I don't dissing him. He's basically just dissing him. Like he's, he says, his royal auditorium is a is a murder scene, uh, referring to the the war in Iraq. And again, it's just one more shot at Bush before they end the album off. Um, this song's fine. He says he's not the all American that you thought you paid. All this stuff. Like it, it, I think we got the I think we got the hint when it was subliminal, and when they did it like straight up, like yo, this is about Bush. I was like, all right, y'all, all right, all right we get it. Wait, what song is this? Yeah, Governor? I, it's a uh, favorite son. Favorite son. I feel like we I think those end two- up being like I think those end up being like some of the bonus tracks. Bonus tracks. Traditionally, bonus track. like if you were to buy the album in 2004, I think it ends at What's Your Name, which is actually a really good ending. Yeah. Because at, at What's Your Name, once once when, once What's Your Name ends, it's like okay, all this shit happened, and that's where I thought that I was good. I killed off Saint Jimmy, and the shit still ain't work. God damn, now I'm stuck. Now, that's why I was getting fucked up, and that's why streaming fucking sucks sometimes. Because we could be listening to two different. All three of us could have listened to different versions of this album. Yeah, I'll listen to the I original had live version. versions. I had live versions on my. On, oh, on see, I listen to the. I listen to the original. Oh, you was playing the deluxe. Yeah, I just no. I didn't listen to the. I listen. Mine nah. stops at Governor. 
I didn't I didn't have a governor on my I didn't have a governor. Mine ended at what's her name? <laughs> my shit ended when it, well, it ends with But what's her name is where it ends on the CD. It is where I it remember ends. that. But I thought y'all had got favorite son too and I was like this seems to be like a bonus song but I'll just talk about it anyway but that ends off American Idiot 10 out of 10. Yeah, no, it's a great album. That's a classic album. Um a lot of big singles. A lot, but then I mean, also some like big album cuts, yeah. which I think is like a, a real sign of a classic album. It's it's a real stadium record, yeah. And they yep. created it to be that way, of course. But you hear it in, in the records, like these are stadium anthems, and they they really they shine through on the album. I, I love it. I, I'm glad that I went back to it. Shouts out to Josh again for bringing this back up, and because I I never I I didn't feel like it. Not that I didn't feel like it was worth listening to, but I didn't feel like I had missed anything. But I was like, "Yo, I missed a lot." No, that's, <laughs> that's really one of my favorite albums ever. I like have vivid memories of with this album, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I'm just glad we can kind of go back and honor it in a sense. Did you ever get to watch? Did you ever get to watch the Bullet in a Bible DVD where they kind of did you know the entire album of American Idiot and then also mix in some of their? Uh, I think no, nah, I haven't. That's that's all. I probably checked it out tonight. Honestly, like I want to watch the documentary about it. Um. I don't know. I just want to like. I want to find the opera honestly because I feel like that was just like such an experience. YouTube. I feel like it's on YouTube. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it. it and just like seeing tickets and being like, "Oh shit, that's that's dope." I because I, I always want to know: is it them playing or is it other people playing them? It's other people. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes sense. Um, next episode of Throw Blacks, we're gonna go to 2011. Ready for it? Where a man wearing tight uh, tight pants shut down the world during the VMAs. <laughs> One of the best surprise album drops, in my opinion. Of all time. Okay. We're going to talk about Lil Wayne's The Carter Four. 2011, a very, very strange time in hip hop. Just fashion wise, yeah. music wise, and really just a changing of the guard. Yeah, in absolutely. In a lot of ways. Uh, I think that was the beginning and you you kind of see, and we, I want to talk about, and we're going to talk about how Lil Wayne, uh, I, I won't say struggles to keep relevancy, but attempts to keep his relevancy with all the new people that came up uh, while he was gone Yeah, in that yeah. one year. So next time on Throw Blacks, we're going to talk about uh, Carter Four, an album that also a lot of people fucking hate. And I'm, and I'm here to say, I'm standing on two. I'm standing, on, I'm standing 10 toes down on saying that album's great. It's one of the best Carters. Okay. I'm standing 10 toes down. You know what, I, you know what else I'll say? No, I'm not. I'm going to wait. Because niggas ain't ready for that. All right. That Whatever you're about to do is about to piss me off. Now, now, <laughs> I, now I'm kind of worried about this throwbacks. I, I'll say it. Not, I'll say it. Don't, don't do I think it. it. I think it's better. I, I think it's better. I think in some ways, uh, save your take for the it. show. I think in some ways it's better than Carter One. Uh, it's uh, definitely not, but all right. I think in some ways it's better than Carter One. All right. In some ways. Some ways. In some ways, I think it is. Can't wait to talk about those ways. <laughs> get about this damn chair, in man. In some ways, I think it's better than Carter One. Okay, we'll get back to it in a couple of weeks with Throwbacks for Josh and MC. I'm J5. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, leave us some comments. Also, check us out on Instagram. OG Johnny5 on Instagram and Threads. Joshton P's on Instagram, just Instagram. Uh, MC at my man MC's on, on, on Twitter and Instagram, and I think Threads too. Um, just leave us a comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Make sure you sign up for our Patreon. Patrons are of course getting this episode first and early, early for free. That was a th- that was a freeway early. Yes, that was. We gotta talk about Philadelphia Freeway too. That's a great album. It's a great album. Another one. Um, just just so much stuff that we that we have coming out. Our clips go crazy. Our our reels go crazy. Uh, so shout out to of course Mark for for putting a lot of those together, getting some of the best clips and 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 all that stuff. People are ta- hitting me up all the time talking about it's not, it's not really y'all talking about that shit. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> and of course, make sure you check us out every Wednesday, six p.m. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern on for Black Paint Radio on AMP. Make sure you check that out.
because we have some really cool episodes. We have some really cool conversations. You want to catch it live though, because any you know we, we got the replays on Anything there. Anything could happen. You know, you never know what could happen. Yeah. We can have somebody on there talking about beating we, niggas up in Paris. We can call you on stage. <laughs> Listen, there's so many people that try to get on stage whose pictures I've never seen before, and I'm like, I don't know what you're gonna say. Hey, let them say something crazy. I'll do it next time. That's, that's the best thing. It could be like next time they Chatterbox do it. box on GTA Three. Next time <laughs> they do it, I'm, I'm gonna let them on. I'm gonna let them in. But thank you guys for listening. We're gonna get out of here now. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks for another episode of Throwblacks with Lil Wayne and the Carter Four. Peace. <laughs>